a favour the podcast about learning from experience and the things we do to make our lives easier. My name's Tim Sisney from Make Work Work Better and each episode I'll be talking to my guests about their epiphanies, their inspirations and the magic of their workflow. And I'm here today with Tazir Ahmad. How are you Taz? Very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Would you like to tell everybody a little bit about who you are and, and what you're thinking? It's interesting, like if you had asked me this question before the pandemic, I would have thought a bit about it, but we have done these introductions on so many calls that it just comes naturally. So in terms of, in terms of business, I'm in digital marketing. I, I manage the operations of Axis Digital, who used to be marketing voice until a few months ago. Before I started this business with my business partner three years ago, I was an academic. Technically, I'm still an academic because I was, even in this financial year, when, even in this academic year, that we spent teaching online. I was still teaching in the university. I was teaching at the Montfort University. And this year I only taught uh, financial management and contemporary management. Before that I have taught operations and management philosophy. So I'm a bit of an academic who has worked in the industry, who has ended up in starting in own business three years ago. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and, and the other aspect to you, or do you want to talk a little bit about Volta Blue as well, which is how, how we met? Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's one of those things where even though we are a digital marketing business, we have always believed that the backbone of a business is the relationships that you can build, the, the, relation, the true relationships you can build. I'm not talking about relationships which are just based on you give me money and I give you money. Those are different kind of relationships, but even professional relationships need to have a bit more than that. So Walter Blue was just a way to maintain those relationships, to build those relationships once the pandemic hit. What we wanted to do was bring businesses together because we knew that if people have issues, everyone has issues in business. We have seen that. We, we have our own issues in business. But we have seen that if you can bring people together with different skill sets, with different experiences, they can help each other. So when the pandemic hit and we said, okay, let's bring people together, we did not want to be another you know, networking group which just brings people together and I do this and you do that. How can we, you know, how can we work together? We realize let's put a format, let's put, let's put a format where you can get the value out of people rather than just people trying to sell. So Walter Blue is basically, it started as a mastermind community. Mastermind is when people come together and discuss challenges, um, try to solve each other's challenges. That's what mastermind is. It's not new. It has been there for hundreds of years. There are paid for communities. There are people who get together physically and run them. Um, so that's what Walter Blue is. We started off in April 2019. So that was maybe a month after we went into lockdown. We started going really quickly. So in, with the idea was that we will get about 40 people and that will be the end of it. We were on 80 people in the first week. We were on 160 people in the second week. Well, okay, now we need to maintain this a bit and manage this a bit. So we became a bit more specific and we ended up now, even now we are going with it. It's more than a thousand businesses who are members. Uh, it's all free. We don't charge anyone. We believe that you shouldn't pay for, you shouldn't pay for to make friends. Let's put it this way. <laughs> and it has then, you know, it has then spun into a magazine which has had its own now digital prints and everything. Again, it's all free. It doesn't make us any money. It actually makes, it's, we spend money on it from our own company at this point. But it's one of those things where we have seen value. We have built relationships. We have known people that we would have, we would have never known. So yeah, that's what Walter Blue is. And it's it's a fantastic community. I, I mean, I I come along most months, 
and see faces that I've seen before and faces that, you know, new faces. And it's, it's yeah, as, as you say, it's constantly growing and the people in there are just so generous with their, their time and their expertise. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a fabulous, fabulous thing you've built there. And I think it does feel like a genuine community that you've built. Yeah, uh, that, that was always the aim, isn't it? It's, you can tell so much about the community on the basis of how it makes people feel. Because mm-hmm. even though people will say, I am busy or I am doing other things, people will go away for a month or two. I have never said to people that if you want to be a member, you have to come every month. There are mm-hmm. people who go away for three months. There are people who go on holidays. There are people who, you know, get busy in other things and they come back a couple of months late. Uh, and even now when people are doing less and less, less, less video calls, mm-hmm. we're still going on with the Volta Blue. At one point, we were doing a session a day. So that was at the peak of the pandemic when there was no other form of networking and people were really loving it. And now when we are seeing a bit of a 50-50 between, you know, physical meetings and, you know, digital meetings, the community is still going. The, the magazine is still going. Mm-hmm. The magazine is becoming bigger now that we, we, we can meet people and, you know, uh, things like that. So you never know where things go as long as you set the right values. And the value was let's put people together who can share value and who believe in sharing value. Everything else just, you know, follows afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 been. A, it, I've met a lot of really really interesting people through that. So yeah, thank you so much for setting it up. And uh, so well, let's get on with this. You ready to dive into do yourself a favor? Uh, yeah, why not? Let's go. <laughs> let's go for it. So what what I'd be interested to, to hear from you first, Taz, is um, what's something that you wished you'd learned sooner? Funny enough, we just talked about it. I wish I had learned sooner if I build a relationship, how to nourish it. Mm-hmm. Because because what happened is my success came, you know, uh, if, you, if you look at it academically or if you look at it professionally, it came quite early and I, I took it a bit for granted. Let's put it this way. So I, I studied I studied aeronautical engineering at University of Glasgow. And the thing is, if you go to a university like University of Glasgow, it shields you from the world a bit because it's one of, you know, one of the, I think it's the fourth oldest or the third oldest English speaking university in, in the world. So after Oxford and Cambridge, it is, I think, the third oldest English-speaking mm-hmm. university in the world. So when you go to a university like that, you're a bit shielded because if you need funding, you get funding. If you need sponsorships for a project, you'll get sponsorship. If you, if, you, uh, if, if you need facilities, you'll get facilities. So for example, we started an aerospace society even now. We started that aerospace society in 2014, 2013 or 2014. And that society even exists today, even though I'm not there and like, we're all not there. And that society still sends people to America every year for a competition. We get the funding. They all get sent to Florida. They have their own fund. We had sponsorship from Red Bull. We had sponsorship from Iron Brew. You start thinking that this is how the world works. You think that because I'm in this kind of an environment, like we will get money if we need money. We are doing these interesting projects. We are doing a project with NASA and like whatever, whatever. So the success came so easily in that kind of environment that when I came out of it, so when I graduated, I was headhunted by a Spanish company and I became a program manager. That's another thing you don't hear with a lot of graduates. You don't just become a manager or something. I became a program and I thought this is how life is going to be because you make a few connections, right? Connections with, I'm not going to name the companies now because it's very easy to track those people afterwards because those are director level people. I realized that even if I built relationships with those people, I needed to have ways to nourish it because once you are taken out of that system, 
it's so hard to go back in and then you know do something about it mm-hmm. so i only spent a year in the spanish company and the idea was that i'm going to go away because my contract ended and i'm going to renegotiate and they're going to send me a different to a different country that never happened because i was not in the system again mm-hmm. which ended up being six months of me thinking what do i want to do next so imagine i was already a manager in the university i was being, i was a program manager in the aerospace society i was working with projects with nasa and american institute of aeronautics and astronautics things like that at at 23 i was a program manager in a company with more than 40000 people in operations in 30 countries and then six months of me literally i was like okay what do i do next because the relationships that i had were in spain and were in scotland and i'm not there anymore mm-hmm. how do i nourish these things so if i had learned this very quickly and i've learned this that was one of the things with volta blue how do you build relationships you make it consistent if you had just did one mastermind with you and i and then i'd never seen you in six months we would not be sitting here now you know so no. that's one thing i would have, i should have learned very quickly and i did learn afterwards one thing that yeah the world doesn't work the way always worked the way the way i was working it when i was younger and another i need to nourish the relationships that i built otherwise it just goes away it's that subject of of networking i guess is something that 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 comes up quite a lot and and what is networking from a perspective and really when it works it's about building close and sustainable and yeah. meaningful relationships yeah. and and it's not about diving in and trying to sell somebody something and one of the the best pieces of advice i got around you know networking in general like quite early on when i had my first attempt to go out my own was you know give your network what it needs yeah. rather than trying to take what you need from your network and and that's kind of yeah it's the spirit behind volta blue you know it's 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 giving your expertise and your time but it's also when you get it's the way that you then build trust and like capital with with people is that you can give your give your knowledge you give your expertise you give your time you give your attention and that's if you do it sincerely then people remember that and and then you and then eventually in some way or another that comes back round because you're part of a community and that's how they work yeah exactly exactly it's, it's one of those things where we realized very early on that it when people come to a when people come to a group like you would think if someone has let's say if someone has we had one lady who had 600 employees if someone had 600 employees what is she getting out of volta blue you know mm-hmm. if someone has 20 something employees what are they getting out of volta it's not the money that they need out of volta hmm. you realize that very quickly because you know 80% 90% of the people were very small businesses less than five employees or working on their own then you start realizing that is is not just about you know what business i can get and the people who try to do that in a the network they get kicked out very quickly or they end up building networks which are self fulfilling where mm-hmm. everyone is like them and those are not really the relationships that you want to build so they're just people you know people think oh in business i need to network tick why mm-hmm. need to go and get sales tick these are not ticks you know uh, that's an oversimplification of how business should be how value is generated how relationships are built how do you trust someone how do you how do you want to spend your time what do you want to do in your life those are oversimplifications in business and the the quicker people learn it the better they do mm-hmm. uh, and the good thing is in volta blue we got people who have learned that thing otherwise they would just go away and not come back yeah it's it's quite the the way that volta blue works is quite self selecting from that perspective isn't it because it's it's more about it's more about giving value than it is about getting getting leads so the the next question in the podcast is 
it's kind of about turning points. It's kind of about things that you, something that you learned or something that you read. So sometimes started as a book, it's evolved beyond a book, but is there a book or a concept that resonated with you at a point in your life that kind of changed the direction you took or changed the way you thought about things? So that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. And I didn't even, funny enough, before you asked this question, I didn't even think about this, but the moment you said the question, the first book that came to my mind, I'm going to just mention that book. And I need to look to, look at the author. That's the beauty of internet. I can literally check now. And I'm thinking, well, how, how can I forget from Freeman? Edward Freeman, yeah, of course. Uh, the first book that I read on strategic management. Okay. Because the thing is, I was an engineer. I was already an engineer. And I was already, basically, the, the Spanish company who had hunted me, they put me through a master's degree in industrial management. And... You know, we keep hearing this word strategic management and people don't even realize that the word strategic, that the term strategic management did not even exist before the 80s, you know, 1980s. And I'm born in the 90s. So mm -hmm. it's not even that old as a concept. But now you see people, even if you meet accountants, they will say strategic management. Even if you meet, you know, you meet anyone, they use the word strategic management because they don't really know what is strategic management. The first book that I read on strategic management is from Freeman. I think he quoted the, the term strategic management. And I started seeing processes in a different way. It was one okay. of those things where, you know, there, there has to be a reason why you do something. Mm -hmm. There has to be a meaning behind why you are doing something. Don't, you don't have to say it in words. It just needs to drive you. If you don't have that driver of doing things in business, then what's the point? You, you, could, you could be banging your head against a wall, you know, to put a dent in the wall, you can bang your head into it, but that's, <laughs> not, that's not how you should do it, isn't it? Uh, so I, I, that was one of those instances where I started reading the first book on strategic management from Freeman. And I read one chapter and I'm like, okay, let me read that again. <laughs> so I read that, I read that again. And I was like, okay, this actually makes so much sense. It's like this guy is talking to me. Mm -hmm. Because until then, like I said, it's, it's a bit of those things where when you come from an engineering background, you look at things as numbers. You look at things as this happens, this happens, this happens. Yeah, this has happened. This is going to happen. This, this is the kind of mentality we have. And, and mm -hmm. This is the reason why a lot of people who study, for example, aeronautical engineering, they go into finance because they think that finance works that, works that way as well. Mm -hmm. They think that, you know, you invest in these places and you do these things and you do you put this equation and it's going to give you the things. Then you go and study a, a bit more. And I think it's, it's one of those, like I said, it's one of those moments when you realize, okay, if, I, if I'm doing this thing, why am I doing it? What value is it going to create? What can we do with it in the future? Uh, it, it annoys me a lot when people use strategic management as a, as a buzzword because they don't know what it means. And they've just learned it because it will make them get more money. Mm -hmm. But then the thing is, it's one of those things where we are talking about strategic management and um, there was a lot of application of lean management. And in lean management, we talk a lot about we know value and people and things like that. But then strategy takes it one step behind. And that's what I've learned. If I can take something one step behind, it just improves my understanding of, you know, that concept or, the, or that operation or my, that relationship or my management of the team or the people that I'm talking to. Can I take it one step back? Mm -hmm. What can I do with that information? You know, that's, that's the book. You know, that's, that was the third turning point, which changed my mentality a bit. Okay. So really under, starting to understand the, the purpose behind, exactly. behind, and what did that, how, what difference did that make practically to your to, to things that you did after after that point? Once you realised that finding the purpose 
was was the way forward yeah interestingly i still remember this is like now when i when i think about it again because at that point i was living in madrid it was a bit funny because i started talking to people differently it's like i started looking at them i think i started looking at them a bit differently and it might have okay. made a bit made them a bit i think I, i took it a bit too seriously initially because it it needs to become it needs to become natural mm-hmm. if 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 someone is talking and i'm looking at them looking at them in a weird way i think they will start thinking what is wrong with this guy but it's just <laughs> one of it's one of those things where you get inspired by something so much that you start applying it everywhere mm-hmm. so initially this is what happened i took it too seriously what what would end up happening is i would uh, i would start up, uh, you know observing in a way it helped you know i would start observing how the spanish you know how the spanish people when they are together how they talk how do they talk because you will see a big difference between a spanish person speaking in spanish to a spanish person speaking in english to a spanish mm-hmm. person speaking in german which is very common if you are working in the auto sector a lot of them speak german it's like their whole personality changes with the kind of people that they are talking to <laughs> so those are the kind of things that you know i started picking i think now it comes naturally now i can go to a meeting i can have a conversation and it it has kind of helped us in business as well like if if i have a, if i have a conversation with someone i can tell you with quite a bit of certainty if we are going to do anything together afterwards mm-hmm. because what happens is you know we are in britain people are very polite you know no one is going to tell you on the face that it's not going to happen you know no one's mm-hmm. going to like you can have a meeting you can go and meet someone you can discuss business and everything it has helped me to help you understand what is going to happen next okay and even if even if someone is enthusiastic i know i i started i, I kind of understand when is the enthusiastic enthusiasm going to fall off because that happens quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have a meeting with someone and it's like oh it's, it's done like this is going to happen and then you realize okay it's not going to happen now if someone is too too you know enthusiastic about something i take a step back from it and i'm like okay let's give it some time because otherwise this is going to burn very quickly as well and that's again based on the experiences that we have had if someone comes too enthusiastic it burns off very quickly if if someone doesn't show any enthusiasm there is no point in doing anything afterwards it's one of those things as well like you you, you start picking your battles on the basis of your interactions or mm-hmm. why are people doing why what they are doing what would they want to do what do they want to achieve is that matching what you are giving them mm-hmm. so that is that is the mentality which has come in that is not just what is in the front is think about everything which is surrounding it as well yeah that's that's interesting i'm just thinking about some some of my experiences and i think there's in aligning on values is really really important when you're getting into any kind of collaboration but then also there's a but i don't think it's the only thing that you can rely on because you also need to have a bit of a sense of the personality types within you know i so for example i'm i tend to need to have in a relationship you know any any kind of working relationship somebody who's more detail focused and more kind of yeah. action driven than I am because I I will I will go big on the ideas I get very very excited about the next thing whilst having not finished the thing I'm doing now and so I think there's you've got to be aligned on vision and and values otherwise you it's a non-starter but then and then all the other things like skill set and personality types kind of come into play but you can't start from skill sets no and have it succeed and you have to be aligned on that on that why up front i think yeah yeah it's it's one of those it's one of those interesting things where so my business partner hamid he is a bit like you he's a bit more ideas driven 
he gets excited by new things he wants to you know the learn he wants to learn the new technology he wants to apply the new technology he will get excited with people and he will say oh this, i have an amazing idea like they will start talking about something and he will literally say i have an amazing idea that i can share with you and things like that and then i'm a bit more detailed i break down things this is, i do this naturally like if if you mm-hmm. if you give me something if you if you give me it's one of those things you know people keep using this if you look at a, a lot of trees in a place do you see trees or do you see a forest i see mm-hmm. trees you know it's one of those things like everyone uses it so it's one of those things where if you say if you say to me how will you study a tree i will say okay you look at the leaves they are there to absorb the light you look at the roots they are absorbing the water the water is coming from here the sun is the light is coming from here it is to, so i will not look at the tree i will look at the components of it mm-hmm. and i do that naturally i learned funny enough I, i i only learned this a couple of years ago that i'm that kind and mm-hmm. no one had made me think about it like are you a detailed person or are you an ideas person i'm not a creative person i know that you know creative by the sense of you know artistic creation or mm-hmm. you know i'm the guy that you give an idea and i can tell you if it's going to work or not how can we make it work what can we do to make it succeed so that's what i do in business as well you know i take ideas and i usually take someone else's idea and i improve it mm-hmm. and i i'm very comfortable with it <laughs> and there's something that in but that sort of explains as well why the idea of strategic management and understanding purpose and and yeah. why was such a an epiphany for you yeah doesn't it because if that's how your mind naturally works and you're you're into the weeds and into the detail that actually combining that that preference and skill with the ability to lift your head up and just think about things from a larger perspective that that's going to feel quite that's going to feel quite surprising as a as a way of looking at things i think i'm the thing is the thing is we are still learning about ourselves as well isn't it it's, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where if if you had met me if you had met me as a 16 year old i had you know i used to talk differently i used to do different things in life i i actually thought i'm going to go into sports okay and yeah i thought i'm i'm going to be a sports guy uh, when when i reached but then the thing is yeah uh, there is a long story about that as well if in a different life i would be playing cricket you know mm-hmm. it's one of those things even when i went to university i thought okay i will be doing some sort of you know something with sports because i was playing squash for the university i come from a region in pakistan i was born in pakistan i come from the north squash is very popular okay. cricket is very popular those are the sports which are very popular so it's mm-hmm. not like it's unheard of for, uh, for us doing those things but even when you come for, from sports you need to think of the detail it's not the you know the end result of achieving something it's the details and if you are good with the details in sports it can help you as well mm-hmm. uh, so so i think it is it's now when i think about it i can think of these things so even when i think that my personality was different it was always these components were always there what has happened is i have become a bit you know a bit more calm i have become a bit more slower i can mm-hmm. i can take my time with things i'm not very you know let's just get on let's just get on like i have become very calm with things so even if someone becomes like really you know in business let's do something let's do something i say give it a second mm-hmm. let's have a chat let's build a relationship because the speed at which you have come this is the speed like it's like a ball coming at you the speed at which comes it can go back at the same speed as well if you hit it in the right direction mm-hmm. that's that's not what you want you want to finesse it you want to you know time it you want to put it in the gap you know you want to get the maximum runs out of it so yeah it's always one of those things which yeah this is what i was doing and this is what i'm doing in business as well <laughs> nice nice analogy i like i approve i approve yeah So so we're going to get into talking about workflow a little bit now. Um and I'd be interested to hear about what's 
something you something you use every day that's not your phone or your laptop like something in your in your workflow or your, or your life that's that you use every day that's kind of like a tool that is your dependable go-to that's a good question something i use one thing i i don't know if this qualifies i i will always there will be a time in the day when i do nothing okay. so i don't i don't need any tools i just need to calm down and think of it mm-hmm. and i think so it's one of those things like i said that i have become i have become a bit more calm as, as i'm getting older i used to be a very angry teenager let's put it this way as well. mm-hmm. i used to be a very angry teenager um, so it's one of those things where the more calm i get there is always a time in the day when i will just stand on my standing desk maybe maybe sometimes with a cup of coffee usually usually nothing a cup of coffee i don't drink after you know certain time because then i can't sleep but mm-hmm. i will have some time when i will just stand and i'm either saying something to the team or i'm saying something to hamid or something or i'm just thinking so in a way my time like you say you know mm-hmm. how one thing that i do i some point i don't do i don't touch anything i just stand and it just helps me you know get you know collected mm-hmm. just make me think about what needs to be done what have i missed because i still have one of those situations where you know when you have multiple notebooks and you have like a calendar and everything and there's always something that you miss or something sometimes when i calm down a bit it comes back to me that okay i need to do something mm-hmm. so it basically emptiness is what <laughs> what helps me let's put it this way <laughs> that's I, i like that i like that a lot it's i do find it interesting and we, you know a lot of people have, have talked about this over the over the last 8 to 10 years that the the ease of access to fast information and distraction is you know and and i'm a generally a sort of i'm a technological optimist i tend to not not buy into the 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 hype around you know smartphones are destroying people's brains and making the world a less social place i don't i don't i don't subscribe to that notion but the one area where i can see that it reduces a or it could reduce something and and i think it's something you need to manage is we don't get bored anymore we don't we don't stop and just without unless we do it proactively like like you described we go right actually i'm just going to give myself some empty time for my brain to just catch up and join some dots and 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 so on you know what we tend we tend you know you're queuing up in the 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 supermarket to buy your food and you know you can look at your phone and just fill that little gap of of idleness yeah that's that i was going to give you the same example that i have seen i guess yeah this is so when when i go to gym i see so many people when they are not exercising they are on the phone mm-hmm. and i'm i'm thinking this is your moment to reflect what you have been doing you know like let's say let's say you have been deadlifting and they would deadlift like they will do a few deadlifts in between my deadlifts i would either walk i would either jump or i will literally sit down i literally sit down and don't do anything because mm-hmm. i need i want to get my breath like i want to get my breathing back i want to like feel okay my how is my back feeling and everything uh, i have seen so many people who in between will pull out their phone again and sometimes they would be even talking to someone and they would still be on their phone uh, that is just 
like i don't know why do people like i i'm pretty sure i used to do the same thing like if i'm if i'm in the queue or something i need to fill that time or something mm-hmm. uh, but i think i have like i said even in the gym like these are also things you need to consider like why am i doing this exercise what impact am i because i know my back hurts like if i if i if i don't take care of it my back used to hurt mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, so it's it's one of those things where now when i exercise those pains have gone away and i know why have they gone away because i've been building strength which is so important like if i get on the phone and everything then i'm just doing i'm just, you know in our uh, in our culture we say that even a donkey can lift a lot of weight you know but it's it's again we are going towards the finesse of it we are going towards you know you put the power in the right place you know you want to be a tiger rather than you know <laughs> there's the quote there's the yeah. quote that we're going to be easy to advertise the uh, the episode <laughs> of the podcast you want to be a tiger not a donkey yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's one of those things. Yeah, like when I'm in the gym and I see people. Uh, first of all, the number of people, like they are exercising. One thing is one thing. Another thing which annoys me is people who keep working on one part of their body and ignore everything else, because they are just exercising for the wrong reasons again. Mm-hmm. So it's like the people who just keep building their arms and keep building their chest, because when you take a picture, that's what you see most of the time. You see their legs, and you're like, if you go out and run, you're going to break your leg. Uh, it's one of those things like things like that you know people don't think about it they are so influenced by what they have seen in other places mm-hmm. they, are, they are so influenced by this world which they have created in, you know around us they, they it's so self fulfilling you are not actually building strength you are just you are just a part of you know a, you become a part of the cog you know you are just wasting your time in the gym like what texting is so important who cannot wait you know 10 minutes for your reply Mm-hmm. you cannot you know you cannot give up your phone uh, the the only time i touch my phone is if i want to change the music because if i want to change my mood i change my music if i mm-hmm. you know let's change the tempo if i'm not happy with the tempo that's the kind of thing i would do just to get in the mood of it, you know and when i do like for example i'm jumping i'm jumping i'm jumping that's to like increase my heart rate because for some things you need you know blood to be pumping a bit quicker if i'm not thinking of these things i will not improve in what i'm doing there and I, I i was never a gym guy you know it's one of those mm-hmm. things as well it's like I, when i talk about it now people think i've been going to gym for years or something look at me like i've, I've never been a gym guy for example i joined the gym in september and i just i don't give up on things it's one of those <laughs> things as well if i if i start doing something i'm not going to give it up in two weeks so i've just not given up and i just keep trying to improve keep like you can take that mentality anywhere because i was a runner i used to be i used to i used to do a lot of you know at one point i used to run 12 kilometers a day 50 minutes i was playing squash so i used to train for squash i used playing cricket you train for cricket you know you do some weights and you do some running and you do some you know work on your cardio and stuff mm-hmm. but you don't do it this way where you are like you want strength you know you want you want to have that strength so i was never a gym guy or anything i just did what exercise i needed to do to do the things i wanted to do because mm-hmm. that's what i want i needed to do to achieve but now i'm in business and i see so many people who you know gain too much weight or you know eat junk food or they are eating while they are working or you know whatever things like that. why are they doing that to yourself so if you don't think of the details of why you are trying to do something you can build a business and destroy your health and not enjoy that business for example uh, yeah also i i think the the whole working from home thing over the the last year a bit has has contributed to that i i i mean pre pandemic i used to work from home usually a day a week i always noticed on those days like the fitness rings on my watch and the the moving rings on my watch just wouldn't fill up as much and it wasn't to do with like exercise you know specific exercise it was just to do with the fact that you know in the office the toilet was a little bit further away 
in the office, the kitchen was a little bit further away. And whereas when you're working from home, like everything's much, much closer. And so I just wasn't moving about as much. And you just have to kind of recognize that changes in your, how much changes in your routine, even if they're not fundamentally, you know, they're not things that you are doing necessary to exercise, but if they make your life more sedentary, then there's a health risk there that you need to balance out some other way. Yeah, that's, that's a very good way of putting it. So I've, seen, I've seen another thing as well. Even when people work from an office, they live so far away from it that the only way to reach the office is by driving there. Mm-hmm. This, this, is a very, this is a very British thing to do as well. Like the older you get, you know, the more you want to live out of the city or like you want to live in the suburb and like you want to have a house with a garden and everything. Mm-hmm. But then you come to work, you drive for half an hour and you go back from work half an hour and you never exercise like at all. And you just, you just see people, you know, it's like they're slowly giving up or something. You shouldn't, you should never be giving up. There are 90 year olds who are still running 100 meters, you know, races and stuff. Uh, there are people who can still, you know, do rounds and rounds and rounds and they're 100 years old and whatever. Um, it's one of those things as well. You need to find ways to just move, like have a, have a standing desk for, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes. I have a standing desk. I don't use it all the time, but I use it for, you know, if I'm doing the Walter Blue, if I'm hosting, I will mm-hmm. use it. If I'm having a bit more of a conversation, then I will sit down and have a conversation. It's one of those things as well. I like just, just move about, just change a few things, just go out for a walk, you know, pick a sport. Like it doesn't have to be a heavy sport. We play table tennis in our office. You know, just have a hit about, you know, just move around. Those little things, I'm not even saying spend hours upon hours, even if you do half an hour, even if you do 15 minutes, it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And the more, you know, people start seeing the value of it, the more they start feeling good, the more you don't start humping when you're like going up the stairs and stuff. You're like, okay, okay, that, that is actually good for me. It starts making you feel a bit better about yourself. And so, yeah, these are little changes that people can make. It doesn't even have to be major changes, but you need to know why you're doing something. What do you want to do? So keeping to the topic of, of, of workflow and, and things that are useful, what was the last really useful thing that you bought or acquired? What was your last kind of like shiny thing that you're like, oh, that was useful, I'm glad I got that? See, that's a, that's, that's a very hard question because I don't buy many things. It's one of those things like, for example, the, the shirt that I'm wearing at the moment, I bought it in 2015, I'm still wearing it. <laughs> you know, that's actually one of the more recent ones. So it's one of those things as well. So I'm just looking around and I'm thinking, what is the last thing I bought? Okay, that's the laptop that I bought actually. Yeah. Because before this, I was using a Chromebook. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. I was quicker than that Chromebook. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you're trying to do something and you're trying to move around and everything. And you have moved for the laptop. And I'm not just saying it from the, from, the, from the aspect of the processes that it can do or how quickly it can do it. It's just how much you know, mental power it takes away when you have to wait for something that you mm-hmm. shouldn't have to wait. In this day and age, for example, in this day and age, if you have, like, for example, if you have a bad internet connection, then that's stopping you from doing your work. You know, in this day and age, if you have a, like the same thing, if you have a, if you have a phone which cannot capture, you know, the information that you need to capture, for example, it's one of those things where it's not just about the process itself, it's the energy that it takes away from you from being productive mm-hmm. or to, to do the best. So this laptop, which is now about a year old anyways, but still, I realized, for example, it, it opens with my face. So, you know, even not having to put the password every time is very useful. As simple as that. Let's put it this mm-hmm. way. So things like that, you know, small things like that. It's the same thing. 
I get a phone every two years, not because I need a new phone every two years, not because I destroy them. My iPhone 4 still works. It's just because the technology has moved to a point where it's better to have a new phone because then it can process information better and I can do more things with it. And we are a digital business, you know. Mm-hmm. The kind of speed drive, except for example, even when I was an engineer, I needed computers which could compile, for example, if I write some code as quickly as possible. Otherwise, I'm just looking at the screen. It doesn't. Do. We, have, we have talked a lot about, you know, improving ourselves and everything. Let's put something about technology as well. The technology needs to match what you need to do. I'm not saying go and buy the, the, the shiniest thing or the newest thing and just buy the new iPhone every time it comes out. Just be sensible about what you need and where your processes are going and match the, you know, the equipment that you have with the processes that you need. It's kind of about reducing friction, really. When you have, you you want to have systems in place, whether that be your computer or your phone or notebooks and pens and so on and so forth, that that work with you at the speed that your brain works. And if you're waiting for your laptop to catch up, or if you, if you're, the way that your phone set up means you can't get to the thing that you want to get to, or if you just like, you never have a pen that works and you pick yeah. up a pen and it's not working, then yeah. you're in that situation where actually you're, you're just, you can't do the task or you can't get the thing out of your head or you can't, you can't do it at the point that your brain is, is ready to do it. Yeah. At which yeah. point you're just adding drag into the process. You're making things more frustrating and things, I mean, the one, the one thing that I, or whenever I have this conversation about friction, the one thing that I always wish I'd stuck to was learning to type properly. I, I my typing's like it's okay, but it's not good. And whenever I've worked with people who could touch type, I've always just like that's so cool. That's so, you can type faster than I can think. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because. Uh... So when I was in school, I don't know if you had this in school as well. When I was in school, first of all, for the first few years, we did not have computers. I was born in 91, but what you have to realize is if you come from a third world country, things are a bit behind. They are, they are always behind. So our 90s might have been your early 80s. Let's put it this way. Okay. So when I reached, I think, when I reached third grade in school, then we had computers for the first time. And the first thing they taught us is how to type. Right. For whatever reason, I don't know what was the mentality behind it. And I'm still thankful for it. You know, the number mm. of people I see who cannot type properly or like what they're using like one finger and like looking for, you know, letters even now. That's the first thing they taught us. And at the time it was very annoying because like I'm thinking, why do I have to like remember ASCFG, semicolon, you know, semicolon, semicolon, whatever, whatever. Like I, at one point I memorized the whole keyboard. Now, you know, you can have a keyboard, which is, you know, for you. Like if you use a button more and you want a button to be bigger and everything, you can do those things these days. So like all my volume controls are here and like my calculator is in my is my keyboard and things like that. These are not standard on a keyboard, for example, but you can get these things these days. But mm-hmm. the first thing they taught us was to type. Yeah. And, and I can, <laughs> well, and it's a, I, I think personally, I feel aggrieved every time I go back to a laptop that it's not like my phone where I could just basically punch the the vague side that <laughs> I, I want and, and it works out what I'm trying to say. So I get very frustrated when I go back to a laptop and I can't just flap my hands at it and have it work out what I'm trying to say because that's how my phone works. <laughs> um, so yeah, technology has not caught up with my incompetence from, from that, that, that side of things. It's, it's very disappointing. Yeah. And then the interesting thing is that I think it's becoming more and more common to have 
you know even even computer companies will tell you even people who work on productivity they will tell you if you go on a laptop don't use the keyboard of the laptop okay because because how close the screen is and how you type and how it's structured it is not as effective so what you are saying about the phone it's more effective because the information is easier to you know oh, okay. look at at the same time mm-hmm. but if you're doing it on the laptop it's not built in a way it is just supposed to be taken somewhere and you know done some work with it but it has become so common that even on our desks we have a laptop so there is mm-hmm. always a keyboard i always have a keyboard i always have a mouse these are little things and my laptop is always on a stand so it is now at the moment it's not straight it's like okay like this and it's like this you know mm-hmm. so it's literally literally the screen is straight and my keyboard is on an angle so i can't use the keyboard anyways at, at that angle okay And it's in line so with your eyes. Yeah, okay. Exactly, exactly. So things like that, you know, these, these are the little things you can do these days. Yeah, a laptop was never built to, to be the way we use it these days. A laptop was a laptop. You know, yeah. it was supposed to be a laptop. You know, it was supposed to be, okay, you need something quicker. You need something to be carried with you. You have a laptop. But now you see it in offices. People use it on their desks mm-hmm. and everything. It was not designed for that, you know. Yeah, that's since some USB-C and so on, it's a lot easier now to just like dock in, monitor, Bluetooth keyboard, yeah. and just pull it out. Exactly. Look much, much easier. Yeah. Right, Taz, we're into the home straight now. So I'd like you to complete the sentence. Do yourself a favor and... <laughs> Do yourself a favor. <laughs> okay. first thing which came to my mind is as one of those things where people can you know you can get absorbed in your own world let's put it this way mm-hmm. you can uh, what i have learned and it's it's is because of the circumstances like like i said after after the spanish you know my my year in spain six months of not doing anything uh, like literally i was i had a job offer from well not a job offer but i was considering an offer from uh, the american embassy in Pakistan that would have taken me on a diplomatic route in like completely mm-hmm. different worlds i was going to go and work in a piping company as a as a industrial manager that would have taken me on a completely different route i could have stayed in the university and become a lecturer like full time do my research and just go on with life i would have been a management philosophy guy let's put it this way mm-hmm. uh, again very different worlds but what i have realized is if you over emphasize on something if you over buy into something then you stop seeing the opportunities which are out there mm-hmm. and i see so many people who worry about things that they cannot change or they will spend their times in things where they cannot add the value they can add because they think this is their world now because they have thought so much about it that they cannot think outside and this is my one of my problems with the academic world you will meet so many academics who are very smart people but they have no idea how the real world works they have no idea they have lived in their world they have lived in a structured environment where you do research you go to the lab you, you give a few lectures they have no idea what's happening in the market they can never find the information which is happening in the market so don't overthink about the same thing try to you know widen your widen what you can do go and learn a few things go and talk to people look outside thank you so much for for coming on do yourself a favor where can people find you Uh, yeah it's my pleasure by the way yeah, thanks thanks for asking me on i'm the most active on linkedin i'm sure you know this as well i'm on linkedin if you just search my name there are not many people with my name so you can just put taz and ahmed is a h m a d yeah i'm sure there's no other taz ahmed on linkedin so 
you will find me very easily and do connect with excellent thank you very much and thank you everybody for listening we will see you again soon listening to do yourself a favor the podcast about learning from experience and the things we do to make our lives easier brought to you by make work work better my name is tim sisney from make work work better our theme tune is by the titanics talk to you again soon